0: And isn't God good? All the time, time, that's right. When I uh, think about the goodness of who God is and what He's desiring to do in our lives, it brings a smile to my face because I think so many times we think that if uh, we could control the situation, if we could figure things out, that we would kind of know best, but just this simple idea that he is better, that Jesus is greater, allows us to really begin to process through things in a way that brings to reality our current circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but me this week, there was different times where I found myself going into some negative thoughts. Anyone in the house go to a few negative? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. And uh, all of a sudden, what would jump inside of my spirit was, Jesus is greater, And literally, it was these moments where it was like, man, no, wait, 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 no, Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than that circumstance. Jesus is greater than that that moment of me not understanding. Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than, than that person who cuts me off in traffic. Jesus is greater than any of those moments around us. Jesus is greater. He's greater. And I hope that you uh, throughout this series will take this phrase of Jesus is greater and apply it to your life and throughout Jesus is greater than you fill in the blank there is literally nothing that you and I will face that he is not greater than there's no obstacle there's no valley there's no diagnosis from a doctor there is nothing that is greater than Jesus he is greater than everything you and I whatever face we here's what I recognize that is that sometimes though along the way this idea of Jesus is greater we have to remind ourselves because some of us we get a little tired anyone ever been tired in the house before come on. some of you are like yeah absolutely Pastor Brian if you had not served good coffee this morning I would be sleeping right now I would not have raised my hand because tiredness is there you were told that you were told that that you need to drink coffee because you're tired oh there we go people were getting coffee so they could be awake so look at your neighbor right now and say you tired some of your neighbor just woke up here's what I know just a quick simple question of this is have you ever been overextended ever felt weary ever been disappointed with the circumstances around you ever been disappointed with somebody ever found yourself exhausted ever felt yourself questioning ever felt yourself drained come on anyone in the house ever ever felt yourself jaded (laughs) Ever felt like out of control? Ever wanted just a little R&R? Just a little rest and relaxation? It's interesting because I think all of us at one point in time have found ourselves in different places in life where we find ourselves tired, we we find ourselves exhausted, we find ourselves overextended, we find ourselves weary, we find ourselves drained. And really, as we walk through this message today, I think we're going to find that there is a common antidote, there is a, a solution to the problem of us feeling weary. A solution to the problem of us feeling tired and overextended. There's this guy in the scriptures named Moses. He's a primary character throughout the Old Testament, one who was chosen by God to deliver the children of Israel out of captivity. They were slaves to Pharaoh. His story uh, is unfolding in the Book of Exodus. But in Exodus chapter 32, what we see is Moses has met with the Lord. One of the requests of Moses was this: Can I, can I just experience your presence? Can I just experience you? And and the Father says to Moses, you can experience the tail end of my presence. You can't experience it in its fullness because if you were, it would just be too much. So he hides him in the cleft of a rock and places his hand over him and his spirit passes over. And then the hand of God is removed and and Moses experiences the tail end of the presence of God. And and while he's on the mountaintop, he receives um, direct communication from the Lord for the people, the children of Israel. But there's some time that's going on. This is the moment when Moses receives the Ten Commandments, and literally the finger of God writes out the Ten Commandments that Moses is is to share with the people of God. And in Exodus chapter 32, we see Moses coming back from this mountaintop experience, this moment with the presence of the Lord. and, And prior to that, we see the children of Israel have actually gotten restless, they don't like how things are going. They don't understand what's happening, and they take matters into their own control. Exodus 32 verse 1 says this, when the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. It's interesting, the very people who have seen the presence of God, deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh, the miracles, all the different things, are the same people who say to Aaron, they say, Aaron, listen, Moses isn't around, so you need to get up and make for us gods. We need something tangible. We need something here in this moment because we don't understand what's going on. We're not in control of what's going on. Moses, we don't even know if Moses is even coming back. In fact, that it goes on to say, as for Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not even know what has become of him. Look, like, we don't even know what's even going on. We are completely out of control. And in the moment of them feeling completely out of control, what do they try to do? They try to control everything. It goes on to say, so Aaron said to them, take off your rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Not just on a side note for a minute. It's interesting that um, there's a lot of gold earrings here, (laughs) because it says, and Aaron received them, and received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with a graving tool, and he made a golden calf. So he makes this golden calf, and in that moment, it says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be the feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. What happens in this moment? The children of Israel are sitting there and They're like, listen, Aaron, you've got to solve the problem for us. We need a tangible, we need to be able to control this. We need to be able to have, like, we need to be able to know exactly what's going on. So Aaron, will you please make for us a God? In fact, it, it says in there, when he receives it, it says, "These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt." That's crazy. Like I, now, I don't know about you, when when I read this, I always, when I'm reading these moments with the children of Israel, this is what I think: You're an idiot. I'm like, are you? You've got to be kidding me. Are you? you literally walked through the parted Red Sea every day you wake up and God has provided for you food there's manna there's bread like literally everything you need he's supplying it for you but you're not happy with that so what you decide to do is you decide to take matters in your own hands and you make for yourselves a false God, a, a false image, the way that you would want it to be. It's interesting how at the end of this, Aaron even sees this. He builds this altar, and it says, Aaron makes the proclamation, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, and they rose early, the next day offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. How quickly they forgot God's hand upon them. So the end of chapter 32 Moses is done. Moses is tired. Moses is exhausted. Moses is frustrated. Moses is at a place, he's like, man, I don't even understand these people. These stiff-necked people. Are you serious? Like, I'm gone. I know I was gone for a while, but man, God was delivering something. Man, he was really speaking to my heart in this moment. And I come back, and this is what I get? This is the moment that's going to happen? And Moses finds himself in a place where he is completely drained. Now, where did Moses just come from? The presence of God. But Moses is frustrated with it, so frustrated he takes the the tablets that he's been given by the Lord and he smashes them down. He's so angry with the people. Exodus 33, verse 14, though, says this. God, and he, God, said, listen, Moses, my presence will go with you. And in my presence, I will give you rest. Hey, hey, Moses, listen, I understand you don't understand everything that's going on. I understand you're frustrated. I understand you're frustrated with the circumstances around you. But but can I remind you of something? My presence will go with you. And in my presence, you will give you rest. Moses, everything you need is going to be found in my presence. Now, what's crazy, though, about it is we literally see Moses has been promised by God to go to where? To the promised land. But does Moses ever get to the promised land? No. Why? Because of disobedience. Literally, Moses finds himself in a moment where the Father instructs him and says, Moses, listen, I want you to speak to the rock and command water to come out of it. But Moses says, "Nah, God, you don't know. These people are ridiculous. These people don't even know. Boom! and he strikes the rock and out of the moment of disobedience scriptures tell us that the Lord says Moses you will not enter into the promise now now it's crazy to think about that because Moses was the guy who delivered Moses was the one who put his staff in the Red Sea. Moses was the one who's dealing with all the people around him. Moses is that guy, but yet Moses doesn't get to inherit, doesn't get to see the promised land. Why? Because of a choice that Moses made. No one else made the choice for Moses. Moses made the choice, correct? Correct. So because Moses made the choice, he had to actually deal with the consequences of his choice. But what God is reminding Moses in verse 30, or chapter 33 is he's saying, Moses, listen, listen, listen. If you'll just spend time in my presence, I'll give you the rest you need. Because you're going to need rest because later you're gonna be tired and later you're gonna be frustrated and later what's gonna happen is you're gonna have it up to here with the people who are around you and what's gonna happen is is your flesh is gonna rise up but listen, if you'll be in my presence, I will give you rest. If you'll just hang out with me, I will give you the rest that you need. Now listen, God doesn't say here, I'll give you a vacation, Moses. Oh Moses, you're tired? You're exhausted from the people. Let me let me give you a vacation. He doesn't say, I'm gonna send you to the sandals resort. That would have been appropriate back then, right? Da, da, da. Was that not funny, Josiah? Did you not get that? Sandals, Jesus wears sandals. Man. Tough crowd today, tough crowd. But it wasn't. It wasn't spring break in Hawaii. It wasn't summer vacation. It, it wasn't any of those things that the Lord, the Lord promised Moses, he said, listen, if my presence is with you, then I'll give you rest. And where? In my presence. It's Jesus' presence that brings you and I the rest that you need. See, some of you are sitting here going, man, if I could just get to spring break, if I could only get to spring break, then everything, I would have the rest I need. But come on now. Half the time we need a vacation from our vacation. So don't tell me that just getting away to Hawaii or getting away to Florida or getting away for spring break or getting away this summer. Somebody like, man, if, if, if summer could only come And yesterday, you got a glimpse of it. You were like, the sun is out. It's 50 degrees out. You're out there sunbathing in your bikini because you're like, it's 50 degrees and we live in Michigan. Come on now. But I'm telling you that isn't going to solve it either. The rest that you and I need is found in the presence of Jesus. And so if we're talking about Jesus is greater than here, here's what I want to tell you today. Jesus is greater than tired, weary, exhausted, fatigue. Come somebody need to write that down because this week you need to re, be reminding yourself. Listen, Jesus is greater than tired, weary, exhausted, fatigue. Cuz some of you are tired some of you are exhausted, some of you are weary, some of you are fatigued, some of you are saying, man, if I could only get to this season, and I just want to remind you something, listen, Jesus is greater than the tired, weary, exhausted fatigue that you may be experiencing. I heard a story a few years back from um, a newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, where they were carrying a story of a young basset hound named Tattoo. Tattoo didn't Uh, Plan on going for a run that evening, but when his owner shut the leash in the car door and took off with Tattoo still outside the vehicle, Tattoo had no choice. The young Basset hound found himself running next to the vehicle. A motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert noticed the passing vehicle sometime later with something that appeared to be dragging or bouncing or hopping behind it. As he passed the vehicle, he saw the object was the Basset Hound on a leash. He said this, he was picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. He chased the car to stop and Tattoo was rescued, but not before the dog had reached speeds of up to 25 miles per hour. Now just so you know, Tattoo's okay. But here's what I recognize by a story like that. Too many of us find ourselves picking them up and putting them down as fast as we can. Like literally, you feel like tattoo. Putting them up as fast as you can, putting them down as fast as you can. And it feels like life is in this mode right now where you just can't keep up. It feels like it's dragging you along. And we find ourselves in this busy state, and many times in the midst of the busyness, we become impatient with life, and we do really dumb things. Or we feel trapped in the rat race, and we do dumb things. Or we feel like we have nowhere else to go, and we do dumb things. Notice the dumb things, the moment that happens a lot of times in moments of tiredness. Like when you yell at somebody, come on into Walmart parking lot or Sam's Club, let's fight. Dumb things happen in moments of tiredness. See, listen, I know all too well the busyness of life and the demands that are around us. I know all too well the conversations and the challenges that happen, the moments that we have to walk through. And I've had to ask myself this question, Brian, when was the last time you rested? And I ask our church body this same question, when's the last time you rested? When's the last time you just said, you know what, I just need to get alone in God's presence. I'm not talking about vacation. I'm talking about just getting alone in God's presence because as Moses was instructed, so are we. If you'll just get in his presence, then you will actually receive the rest that you need. See, without rest, we lose our zeal for life. Without rest, there's very little pleasure. Without less or without rest, we accomplish less. And what happens is that somewhere along the line, when we don't find ourselves in places of rest, when we, when we get out of the presence of Jesus, we find ourselves obsessed with our work. We find our, our, our work then becomes the priority in our life, and then our worship becomes the, the part that is, you know, becomes kind of the second place. It's shoddy. It's overextended. Suddenly it's we go, you know what, I, I don't even know if I have time for that. And in the midst of not being rested, we lose our self-esteem and we madly try to find that worth in things around us. Whether our work, whether in status, whether in the things that we collect, advancement, achievement, I mean you name it, we try to fill that void of rest in our lives. It's why Jesus actually says, the father says to Moses while he's up on the mountain, this isn't even in my notes, but, but he says to him, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He was trying to teach Moses, listen, there's gonna be a lot of demands Moses that are gonna come at you but you've got to remember to keep the Sabbath you need to have a day of rest do you know that you and I are hardwired for rest I don't have time to get into all of it but literally your body is hardwired for rest just think about it if you don't rest in the evening what eventually happens your body begins to decay you can't go for long periods of time without sleep somebody like oh I can do it yeah with your Red Bull and your five-hour energies or your caffeine, you coffee addicts. We just keep supplying you. We're like the pusher. Come on in, we got it in the pump, baby. You know, it's interesting, Time Magazine back in the 60s um, had this article that came out, basically it was expert Experts that were called into the subcommittee at Congress. And basically, the issue at at that time was they were really worried about time management. They had predicted that advances in technology would radically change how many hours a person would work each week. They forecasted that the average American would be working 22 hours a week within the next 20 years. The great challenge, the experts said, was this. How will we figure out, or what will we do to figure out all the, to do with all the excess time that we have? They were so worried that people would be so managed with their time that they would have just an abundance of extra time. So now 60 years later, after major advances in technology, how many of you are literally this morning thinking, man, I just wonder what I'm going to do with all my time this week? Like, I just, I just have so much time. I just, I'm just going to sit in God's presence and rest. My son's raising his hand. He just thinks he can just sit in Fortnite all night. He has a Fortnite addiction. You do. You have an addiction. We'll talk about it later when you go home. Okay? It's not in the notes, but... Sorry, I'm just parenting (laughs) publicly, sorry. (laughs) But here's what I found has happened, though, is many times when we're not in a rested state, we can't even discern the deepest issues of our own lives and our own hearts, let alone even knowing what to do about them. But the Father is saying to Moses, Moses, listen, there's going to be some struggles, there's going to be some hard times, but listen, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. This idea of rest, um, just by definition, is this idea of freedom from activity or labor or peace of mind or spirit, something used to support. You and I, like, it's freedom from all the stuff. And we are busy people. They got that way wrong back then, back in the 60s. Like, we are more busy now than ever. And rest is something that's vital to our spiritual lives. It's imperative to our effectiveness. True rest builds the kingdom. Now, here's, this is huge. True rest builds the kingdom within us so that we then display that kingdom outside of us. When you find yourself in a place of true rest, what happens is, is you begin to realize God's presence is the very thing that I need in my life. So if the Father promises it, then we know that Jesus is many times the one who delivers it. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, what we see is these promises that are given by the Father throughout the Old Testament that Jesus then fulfills in the New Testament. So if the Father speaks to Moses and says, listen, my presence, if it goes with you, then you will find rest, then we've got to find that same spot in the New Testament that Jesus is actually fulfilling that very thing. And we do. Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. I'll put it up here on the screen. I'm reading from the message translation because I think it really just pulls in. It says this, abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls. You spelled out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Just pause here for a second. Isn't it great that God is constantly speaking to the ordinary, everyday people? Come on, that's you, me, each and every one of us. He's not looking for the know-it-alls, the ones who have it all together. He's actually making it very clear, and I believe in this moment, he once again is saying, listen, this is not rocket science, folks. My presence will bring rest to your life. It's not something complicated. My presence will bring rest to your life to you. It goes on to say, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation. Coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who's willing to listen. And he says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, then come to me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? It's like this idea of like almost knowing that you and I would be struggling with some of the things that are around us. He says, listen, you're tired? You're worn out? You're burned out? Then come to me. He says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. It's this idea that we are in partnership with the Father. You and I are in partnership with what God's doing. We're learning these unforced rhythms of grace he goes on to say i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you it's like listen the burden's not going to be too much in fact if you'll partner with me he says this keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly I love what Jesus promises us here because what he's promising us is this, is that he is greater than your tired, weary, exhausted fatigue. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm greater. If you'll come to me, I'm greater than your tired, weary, exhausted fatigue. I'm greater than all those things. The promise is rest. Now he doesn't say I'll sell you rest. He doesn't say, I'll I'll take you on vacation and give that rest to you. He doesn't say you'll find it in something else. He says, no, I'll I'll simply give you rest. If you'll just come to me, if you just spend time in my presence, what will happen is, is you can have the rest. The psalmist said it this way, and I'm thanking you, God, from a full heart. I'm writing the book on your wonders, I'm whistling and laughing and jumping for joy. I'm singing your song, high God. Now think about it. This is the guy who is being chased by the king. This is the guy who had been promised, had been anointed king, and yet after that finds himself hiding in a cave. This is the guy who all these things are coming at him, and he says, listen, I'm writing the book on your wonders. I'm whistling, I'm laughing, I'm jumping for joy. I'm literally singing your song. He goes on to say, the day for my enemies turn tail and run. They stumbled on you and fell on their faces. You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. It goes on to say God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. And I love this. The moment you arrive, you relax, and you're never sorry you knocked. Where is it found? In his presence. The psalmist knew it so well. God's a safe house for the battered. He's a sanctuary during the bad times. The moment that you arrive, you relax, you rest, and you say, I'm glad that I knocked. The psalmist here in Psalms 9 is referring to this idea of rest. And and really that Hebrew word there is used in many different contexts. And that is this, is a shelter, a place to hide from your enemies. It's it's a refuge, a a place to run to for safety. It's a fortress, a place where one keeps you and protects you. A place of rest. I heard about a a lady. um, She had come to the pastor and she was trying to get a hold of him. It was a Friday, and she had stepped into the office to see if pastor was there, and the receptionist said, no, I'm sorry, pastor's not in today. Maybe you can catch him tomorrow. The woman was a little upset that the pastor wasn't there, but she said, you know what, I'll try back. So she comes back the next day, and it's Saturday now, and she arrives, and no one's at the church. In fact, she can't even get in. She's really upset about it. thinks, I can't even believe this. I can't get a hold of the pastor. Man, when I see him on Sunday, I'm going to give it to him. Sunday comes rolling around. The woman, of course, pastor gets off and the woman beelines right over the pastor and says, pastor, I can't believe it. I needed you this week. I needed, I needed you to, to be able to help me through this issue and everything. And she begins explaining to And the pastor says, man, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I was taking Friday off. She says, pastor, that's ridiculous. A day off? Are you serious? Pastor, I needed you. A day off? And then she says to him, the devil never takes a day off. And the pastor thought in his mind and just as quick as she said that, the pastor replied to her. He said, well, if you want me to become more like the devil, I guess I'll follow his example. Yep. I thought you were going to laugh again. <laughs> I, I thought first, gather, first gathering, I thought they were going to laugh. They didn't laugh first gathering. I thought, let me, let me set it up a little differently. So I did. I tried to set it up. And instead, you just sat there and went, ooh. <laughs> ooh. So sorry about that. I, I really thought it was going to be a humorous moment. I thought people were going to laugh because I, when I read it, I laughed. <laughs> but I guess I'm the guy in the story. So. <laughs> so here we go. Jesus is greater than your tired, weary, exhausted fatigue. You know what I think? I think all of us want to experience this rest. Verse 28 says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? Then come to me. Notice that, come to me. Not to some self-help book. Not to some synagogue. Not to some mosque. Not, not to just even the church. Not, not to something. Not, not Buddha. Not yoga. Not, not whatever. It, there's literally nothing out there that you're going to find that true rest in. I'm not I'm not trying to come against those things I just mentioned. I'm just saying you're not gonna find that rest that we're talking about. He says, Come to me, is what he's saying. All who are labor, all who are heavy burdened, all those who are loaded down with activity, struggling with the heavy weights. Listen, it's not just about gathering biblical information. This is the problem in the church. We we think we relate biblical knowledge to rest. We're like, oh man, if I can just learn more, then that will somehow help me. It's not, sometimes just being in his presence can teach you more than you could ever get sitting there at a conference, chasing this Bible study to that Bible study and this speaker to that speaker. Listen, I understand we love celebrities. And unfortunately in the church world, we have a little bit of celebrity culture that comes in and so the minute that that one high profile pastor gets into town, we're like, woo, oh my goodness, I gotta get there to that place. But can I just tell you, sometimes the very thing you need is not in that moment, sometimes it's just getting along with God. Just finding yourself in his presence. Just saying this is you and me time, God. Come to me. Come to me. He says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. But some of you may say this. You may say, but my life is a mess. I'm out of control. I'm working to the point of exhaustion. And Jesus would look at you and he would say this. He'd say, come to me. Some of you may say, man, I've messed up too much. I'm full of sin. I, I can't control what's going on. And Jesus would say, it's okay. It's all right. Come to me. Come to me, I'm I'm the place that you need. Jesus is greater than your tired, weary, exhausted fatigue. Verse 29 says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Another translation says it this way, take my yoke upon you. A yoke was a type of harness that connected a pair of oxen. Not a yoke, my yoke. He doesn't say take just any, every, any ordinary yoke out there. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah, I understand. He's not saying be yoked to that. He's saying take my yoke. And then he actually declares that my yoke is, is easy. My yoke is well fitted for you. My yoke is the very thing that will cause you to move forward. Maybe that yoke is actually fit for every need and every situation that you're going to face. Every challenge that you'll face, every problem that you'll face. Maybe being yoked to him will actually bring you through those. See, the idea of a yoke is forward movement, not backwards. Jesus is a gentleman, so he isn't going to drag you along. Scriptures tell us that he knocks on your heart's door. He doesn't bust the door down. I think I pulled something. I I need some CrossFit or something right there. Now, he doesn't do that, right? He's a gentleman. He doesn't doesn't do that. He he literally is saying, listen, yoke in with me and let's move forward. But some of us are so focused on our past, we're looking back here and we're going, oh, but this is so great. He's like, listen, I'm not going to drag you along. But your grace is sufficient. He says, yes, my grace is sufficient. But I'm asking you to walk in obedience. I'm asking you to move forward. I'm asking you to yoke together with me. Jesus is greater than your tired, weary, exhausted, fatigue. And so we got to take his yoke. He says, come, take, and then he says, learn. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What if God wanted learning to not be forced, but to simply be a simple rhythm of his unfailing and never-ending grace? that he was like, I just want you just to constantly be in a state of learning. I want you to be teachable. We talk about this all the time with our team. Listen, the key to anything and success and anything in life is are you teachable? Because the minute you and I say, oh, I got it all learned, no one can teach me how to do that. Man, don't, don't you see my success? When we become unteachable, what happens is, is we say the rhythms of grace, the things that God's trying to teach us, trying to help us to learn, we say, no, I, I already got that all figured out. And he's like, uh, no, you don't. And sometimes he says, you know what? I love you, but there's going to be punishment that's going to come. I, I love you, but there's still gonna be a process here. See, learning implies a process. And what I found along the way is that in the process, I need to be asking questions. Here's some questions. Great questions to write down. Here, write this one down. What am I doing right now that I shouldn't be doing? When was the last time you really said, God, what am I doing right now that I shouldn't? I'm not saying that, here's, here's why we don't like to ask that, because we're afraid of the answer. Because he may say what you're doing is something you really love to do, and he's saying you really shouldn't be doing that right now. And you're like, oh, I don't want that. The second one is this is not what shouldn't I be doing, but maybe it's what am I doing that I should, or not doing that I should be doing. It's not that I shouldn't, but maybe there's something that you're like, "I, I know that I'm supposed to be doing this, but you're not doing it. Which leads to the third question, how am I handling the tired, weary, exhausted, Fatigue. See, what I found is when I find myself in a place where I'm tired, weary, exhausted, and fatigued, I've normally stepped out of the presence of God. Doesn't mean I'm not his son. Doesn't mean he still has plan- doesn't have plans for me. It just means that I started operating from a place of my own rather than His. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 11 verse 28 blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it see we we like the first part blessed are those who hear the word of God but it doesn't end there those who hear it and obey it see I think that God is saying to us today, listen, will you just come? Will you just come? Will you take? And will you just learn? I read a story of a young athlete, strong young athlete who was wading waist-deep in the shallow part of a recreational lake. Unknowingly, he stepped off the underwater ledge and plunged 15 feet beneath the surface After several seconds, he bobbed to the top of the water, his arms flailing and grasping for breath. The lifeguard sat on the shoreline attentively watching the situation from the nearby bank. A friend of the struggling athlete grabbed the lifeguard by the arm and cried out to him, Bob can't swim, you've got to help him. And the lifeguard remained unmoved. As Bob continued kicking and splashing wildly, the young man's friend furiously yelled at the lifeguard, if you won't go in after him, then I will. Calmly but firmly, the lifeguard said to him, no one can help him yet. I'll help him when he's ready for my help. After a couple more minutes, the young athlete finally stopped struggling. His body became weak, And the patient lifeguard suddenly dove into the water, swam out to the young man, and brought him to the shore for a successful rescue. Later the friend asked the lifeguard, why did you wait so long to help my friend? And the lifeguard responded this way. As long as Bob was trying to save himself, there was nothing I could have done for him. If I had swam out to him, he would have grabbed me and pulled me under with him. Only when he was weak, and exhausted, and had finally given up, was I able to save him? And I wonder how many of us are like Bob. We've been questioning why we're so tired and fatigued and exhausted. And could it just be that the Father's been looking at you and saying, Listen, you keep trying to do that on your own, you keep trying to figure that out on your own. And you and I are sitting here this morning and we'd find ourselves in a place of really answering the question, are you gonna come? Are you gonna take what he has? Are you gonna learn? Or are you gonna try to do it on your own? I believe the presence of God is here in this place. But not just here. The presence of God will go with you to your home, will go with you to your workplace be with you even when you're alone. The presence of God is living and active in every believer. I'm going to ask you if you could this morning, if you would just join me by just closing your eyes for a moment. It's interesting, even when we think about this idea of closing our eyes, it's normally something that we do simply when we Go to rest. Father, across this room are many things that people are facing, God. We've tried to do a lot of the things on our own. But God, today, God, I believe a message like this brings us to a place of surrender, a place of resting, a place of being in your presence. God, just like Moses, you said to Moses, listen, if you'll if you'll stay in my presence, I'll give you rest. Jesus, you spoke to your disciples and and to us throughout the scripture. You said, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. And Father, this morning we are being presented with this idea of coming to you. And God, we come to you right now. We come to you with our tired, weary, exhausted fatigue. say, Jesus, you are greater. You are greater. We need your presence here today. In this place, in these moments, we need you. So, Father, I pray that today, in the hearts and lives of every person here, that you would speak your presence into their life. That your presence saturate their marriage that your presence would saturate their friendships that your presence would saturate their workplaces God that your presence would saturate them their identity that they would understand that they are truly sons and daughters of the king and that in you they can find perfect rest God, that they can come, they can take, and they can learn. May that be our heart's cry this week, that Jesus is greater. So let's come, let's take, and let's learn. I pray these things in the name that is above all other names. The only name that can provide the rest that we truly desire and truly need. The name of Jesus.